If you read through the Psalms, mostly written by David, you might conclude that it's good to be afflicted. Well, whether it's Psalms 119 or Psalm 71, if you know about the Psalms, it's it's uh, riddled with various afflictions by David, you will find a voice that's expressing when you read the Psalms, fear, outrage, insecurity, and utter reliance on God's power in order to survive. Let me give you an example real quickly. When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, and they will stumble and fall, though an army besiege or encamp around me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. That particular psalm was 27 verses 2 and 3. This is not going to be some religious kind of podcast. No, no, no. This one is going to address against the odds, overcoming the fact that life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Hmm. I have something I want to share with you in this particular episode that you may find very interesting. At least I hope you will. But my title, again, is Against the Odds, Overcoming the Fact that Life Isn't Fair. I would like you to imagine as you listen, and maybe, by the way, you are a new listener. Thank you for joining me. This is Inspire Me. I'm an international speaker, award-winning speaker. I've lived in more than 40 countries a year, two, three years around the world. I am a global humanitarian, an empowerment lecturer, an all-around chameleon. I can do many things and have done many things in my life. Inspire Me comes from my mantra, touch, heal, and inspire. And my mantra comes from my father. I'll tell you why in a moment. But as you listen to this episode, overcoming the fact that life isn't fair, I'd like to begin by talking about and addressing why you may feel right now in this moment that life isn't fair. Who told you that? Life is fair, but it's not obliged to be. Life is fair. It just depends on how you look at life. Obviously, if you're bitter, if you're angry, if you're frustrated because you've not achieved certain things in life at a certain age in life, I think it's natural that you're going to have these feelings that life isn't fair. Obviously, if you're doing well in life, if you've achieved most and or all of your goals, then you feel life's pretty fair, pretty peachy. No matter what you have have achieved or have not achieved, no matter what you think is good, fair, right, or indifferent. Overcoming the odds of overcoming the fact that life isn't fair might be a bit of a twist, a pinkle, or a challenge for you, but it can be done. 
Understand that no pain, small or great, is wasted when it is used as fuel and as a catalyst for your your life or for directing you towards your most powerful release. Now think about that, your most powerful release. I am going to declare and decree right now that your most powerful release in life is your release from affliction. Where in the world am I going with that? Released by affliction. I want you to imagine for a moment standing out in an open field. You have a bow, you have an arrow, and you have a target about 100 to 200 feet away from you, in front of you. If you can visualize this, you know that there's a spiral ring within that target. And in the center of it, you'll find one small circle that's usually red. That's the aim, that's the goal, that's the target. You take your bow, you take your arrow, and you stretch the bow and the string of that bow as far back as you can. And I mean, you really, really stretch that bow. The reason for that is so that your aim can be perfect and your target can be met. The target, once again, for most people, is that center red circle or the red circle in the center. Not the colors in the circle around that covers the target. Usually, the goal and the aim is that small red circle in the center. And because the target is at great distance from you, one stands there to embrace the thought, you've got to really pull the bow back so that the arrow, when you release it, it is going to take off at such a speed. And when you aim it correctly, it undoubtedly will reach that center red circle. That's not always the case when you have a bow and arrow in an open field, nor is it always the case when you are afflicted in life. I have a story I want to share with you. My father developed one of the least and most rarest forms of cancer there is in the world. In fact, 44 people have had it and only two have managed not to die from it. It's called neoblastoma. It's a form of brain cancer. My father passed away May 15th from neoblastoma. When he was first diagnosed with it and the prognosis was given that he didn't have very long to live, he didn't immediately tell all of us his family. By chance, I was not in Paris. I was in the States visiting for the holidays. We had just buried my father's sister 
that December 11th or 12th, 2010. By January 1 or that first week of January 2011, my father was officiating the wedding of one of his grandsons. I was still in the United States visiting. The goal was every holiday, I would go and visit my father and my mother for Christmas, sometimes the Thanksgiving holiday, which was and is in November. And I would leave going back into February, going back to Paris. I did this and I committed to doing this because, as I said, I've lived in more than 40 countries around the world, a year or two years, each and every country. And consequently, that was all of my life, majority of my life. So I didn't spend a great deal of time with my father or my mother. When I first started that journey, there was no mobile phones and there certainly was no internet. Everything was snail mail. Put a stamp on it, lick the stamp, put it on the envelope, put it in the mail. The other form of communication was picking up the phone and the other form of communication was literally sending a fax. And that could be quite costly. So I was happy that I was here for my nephew's wedding. And we noticed when dad was officiating the wedding, the bride was from Panama who spoke no English. So there was a translator for her to understand what dad was saying in English. What became quite apparent was my father's struggle to speak English. He can speak English. That was one of his native tongues. But he was struggling that night. And he later told us, oh, it was the translator. It was difficult to know when the translator was going to begin and stop translating what I was saying. Well, we all bought that. But by February 22nd, on a Sunday morning, my father was a pastor. He was up in his pulpit. He was preaching his sermon. And he started acting very strange. His eyes became as huge as golf balls. They were very glassy, very teary looking eyes. And he just started pausing and stopping while he was trying to deliver his message. That became very concerning and very disconcerting. Disconcerting. So he went to see an emergency doctor at a a medical facility near his home. And he thought maybe it was a reaction to new medication he was taking, only to find out that it wasn't that at all. It was this brain tumor that had developed. They did a CAT scan and told my dad, forget about the medication, get to a hospital immediately. I was at the house with my mother. He called us and said to come where he was. And the SAMU, the ambulance, took my father to a hospital about 30 miles outside of of the city only to put him on the floor that was specifically the cancer ward. Oh la la, now the plot thickens. 
So all of the siblings and everybody flew in and came in and things started to get very, very uncomfortable very quickly. In that moment, when it was confirmed that my father had neoblastoma and that there is no surviving it, despite all the treatment that can be pursued, I became very conflicted and very afflicted. And the affliction was, how is it possible that there are rotten people to the core, living and breathing and getting away with their sins, getting away with their lies, getting away with their evilness and their indecency and their inhumane character towards others. And my father, being a man who had lived his life, giving all his life, teaching and preaching what he believed to be the truth about life and about the religion he subscribed to, and just all around living good, being good, and doing good. And there he was dying. And oh, by the way, it came swiftly, quickly, and out of nowhere. We didn't even have a chance to inhale or even think about what was going on. It was boom, there it is. You know, some people, when they're going through this kind of thing, they're prepared for the death. My father was diagnosed February 22nd with neoblastoma. By May 15, 2011, he was gone. In that moment, being a woman of faith, I was so afflicted with pain, with doubt, and yet with faith. I was truly believing God to heal my dad. It was like, no, my father has lived a life that most people don't dream about, let alone dream about. He has lived. And I was thinking and naming in my thoughts, people that are rotten to the bloody bone, but they were still here and they appeared to be healthy. And some of them are still living today as I speak. Oh, la, la. And I just became very conflicted and very afflicted deep down that this was happening to my family and to my father, whom I had known to be a good man all his life. Yeah, he made mistakes like any and everybody else. But my dad wasn't an evil man. And he didn't do evil things. I can sit here and name you some people who are evil and who are doing evil right now today. But that's not the purpose of this podcast. So anyway, I I struggled and I continued to pray and believe that God was going to heal dad. Even though the x-rays showed this, this tumor that looked like an octopus was sitting on the top of my dad's brain and all its long legs were going down into my father's spine. Ooh, you can't imagine how hurtful that was. And yet I tried and I, and I insisted on believing on the healing that was going to occur in my father's life. But I'm here to tell you, it did not. 
my dad died. Again, no pain, small or great, is wasted when it's used as fuel and as a catalyst for directing you towards your most powerful release. Here's what I'm saying. Through all of that, listen, dad's organs started to decline. One of them I noticed very quickly was his vocal cords. There was a lot of mucus that seemed to develop around it. So I got this machine to pull it off the mucus off his his vocal cords so that he could speak clearly. It wasn't working. So I was sleeping on the floor at his feet when he would go into the hospital for treatment and they'd send him back to his house because I didn't want him to be in pain or to need something. And I'm in another room of the house, which by the way, was very large. And he, and, and I not hear him when he called out my name for help. So 24 seven, I was at my father's side, even when he was taking his last breaths of life. Now, let me take you from that and take you back to that open field with a target, a bow, and an arrow. I want you to think about what that bow and arrow purpose is or was or should be in that moment. It is impossible to be propelled without to be pulled. That arrow is going nowhere until it is pulled as far back as the string in that bow will allow. It's not going to be propelled to go anywhere until you you pull it, you stretch it as far back as it can go, and then you release it. It is upon release of that arrow after being stretched and pulled that it goes towards its intended target. And if it's aimed correctly, if it's at the right level, it will bullseye right in the center of that red circle. That's really the intention with life when it comes to our personal afflictions. Afflictions become our greatest release when we look at life, not in fairness, but in the experience of life itself. In other words, see life for what life has to offer versus what life is supposed to present to you. When you're in a classroom, the teacher will first give you the lesson. And after giving you the lesson, that teacher will give you the test. No, baby, that is not how life works. With life's teacher, first you're given the test and after the lesson. I'm telling you that I was released by my affliction and my grievance and my grieving For two years after my dad died, when I finally realized that overcoming the fact that life isn't fair, I had to put that behind me because that was nothing but pure bitterness. That was like putting vinegar in my mouth and holding it for 10 minutes or for two years. All it was doing was creating a tightness 
and a very uncomfortable feeling. So when you think that life isn't fair, I dare you to go to a hospital just for children who have cancer and then tell me life isn't fair. Oh, you hear me now? I dare you to go to a hospice facility and look at the different age ranges of people who are going to die within a matter of hours or days and then tell me life isn't fair. What I want you to know from this episode is that life is fair, but you have got to approach it with a much better mindset just because it didn't go or it's not going at the moment the way you desire it the way you want it doesn't mean that life isn't fair you're gonna quickly find sovereignty in God and in life when you're released by your afflictions because usually coming out of an affliction we come out with a new mindset you're supposed to anyway ever talk to anybody that's been in prison for years Now that'll wake you up. I've interviewed people that have spent 30, 40 years in prison and were were innocent the whole time. 30, 40 years of their life gone. They're never going to get that part of their life back. And yet they have no bitterness. Who can I name that you would know? Nelson Mandela. He's dead and gone now too. God rest his soul as well. But look at how he came out of it. Look at what he declared to the nations of the world. And he had every reason to come out of there saying that life wasn't fair. Hello? And raise hell about it. And be ready to start a war because now he's a free man. But instead, because there was no bitterness in his heart, he became the president of the very country over millions of the very people that put him in prison. Life isn't fair? Yes, it is. You say life isn't fair? I say yes, it is. It's your attitude, folks. It's how you choose to perceive life and what you think life has done to you. Life has not done anything to you apart from give you a time to live it breathe in it and enjoy it it's all up to you on how you're going to use the time in life I have talked about many times there are three extractions in life love death and time we're all going to experience being loved we're not all going to experience being in love that's different I'm in love right now but not everybody can declare that But everybody can say that they've experienced love. The love of a parent, the love of a spouse. You get where I'm going. But not everybody can say they have been in love. Number two, death. We're all born. We're all going to die. We have all experienced the death of a loved one. We have all experienced the death of an era. The death of... An opportunity. You got it. You lost it. For some people, losing a career or losing a child. That's death. 
Now, while death, we think typically of a human being or an animal, a favorite pet, passing on, you should also look at death as opportunities that have come and gone. Sometimes we lose opportunities because of our own nasty attitudes and nasty dispositions. Death comes in many forms. Think of it that way. If you don't deposit something in your bank account, why then should you have anything to withdraw? You shouldn't and you won't. The same is true with life. If you don't make deposits in life, you have nothing to withdraw from life. Oh, rocket, Rone. So bear in mind that it's impossible to be propelled without being pulled. That is what the afflictions in life is all about, being pulled. And the propelling is is that bow. It's, you know you want to make that arrow reach that target. You're the one that's got to pull it back and stretch it, and you're the one that's responsible for releasing it. If you don't let go of that arrow, that arrow's never going to make that target. So it is with life. This show is called Inspire Me for a Reason. This topic, Against the Odds, Overcoming the Fact that Life Isn't Fair, is my intended target for you in this episode. Life is fair. You've just got to change how you're looking at it. You've got to figure out what makes life fair. Now, when I talk about released by affliction, and I've already explained my case on that, I'd like to ask you now in closing, what is your moment of release? What moments have you experienced that was a release in life for you? And when that moment came about, when did you or were you vindicated from your pain with the power of that release? Oh, yes, Rone. Okay, let me say it another way. What is your moment of release? When will you vindicate your pain with the power of your release? In other words, simply put, get over it, baby. Get over it. I'm not saying don't grieve when it's time to grieve. I grieved for two years. May 15 this year, 2011. Excuse me, 2021. 2011 is when dad passed away. 2021 makes 10 years. Am I still grieving? No. Before dad left, while he still had good, reasonable wits in his mind about him, he gave me all of these wonderful life's nuggets. One of them you may have read or you've been reading in my posts. Man believes in counting numbers. God believes in making numbers count. When dad gave me that, he followed that by telling me, because you've sacrificed and put down all your businesses to be here to help me while I'm sick, you're going to go back when I'm gone to start over. You're going to have to start from scratch, from the beginning. And that means you're going to have nothing. Nothing. 
You're going to build from remnants. Don't despise those who have millions of followers or dollars and you're starting off with zero. Know that what little you have, God's going to make it count in your life. Oh, and I was just breathing and inhaling it all in. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. If you listen to Inspire Me, read any of my social media posts, come and hear me speak as a speaker, you will often hear me refer to those golden nuggets that my father gave me before he passed away. Why? Because those are the things that touched, healed, and inspired me. And it is the reason it is my mantra today, and it is the reason my show is called Inspire Me. My company, Inspired Media, is trying to live out that fulfilled purpose of my father and his request in my life. Thank you so much for listening to Inspire Me. I'm your host, Rene Dubovois. Thank you for sharing my podcast with your friends and your tribe. Thank you very much for donating and supporting the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for just being a part of Inspire Me. I hope I've done just that, inspired you. Merci beaucoup. Bonne journée. Au revoir. Thank you.